The Daily 202 podcast is brought to you by Facebook. At Facebook, we continue to take steps to better secure our platforms. What's next? We support updated internet regulations to set new standards for data portability, privacy, and elections. Learn more at about.fb.com regulation. Good morning. I'm Allison Michaels with The Washington Post, and this is The Daily 202 for Tuesday, September 1st. James is out today, but I'll be here with the day's top headlines. Here are three stories that you need to know today. Number one. One of President Trump's top medical advisors is urging the White House to embrace a controversial herd immunity strategy to combat the pandemic. The strategy would entail allowing the coronavirus to spread through most of the population to quickly build resistance to the virus. It would also include taking steps to protect those in nursing homes and other vulnerable populations. The Post's Yasmin Abutaleb and Josh Dossie report that the administration has already begun to implement some policies along these lines, particularly with regard to testing. The approach's chief proponent is Scott Atlas, a neuroradiologist and fellow at Stanford's conservative Hoover Institution. Atlas joined the White House in August as a pandemic advisor. He's advocated that the United States adopt the model Sweden has used to respond to the virus outbreak. That model relies on lifting restrictions so healthy people can build immunity to the disease, rather than limiting social and business interactions to prevent the virus from spreading. Sweden's handling of the pandemic has been heavily criticized by public health officials and infectious disease experts as reckless. The country's infection and death rates are among the world's highest. It also hasn't escaped the deep economic problems resulting from the pandemic. But Sweden's approach has gained support among some conservatives who argue that social distancing restrictions are crushing the economy and infringing on people's liberties. That this approach is even being discussed in the White House is drawing concern from experts inside and outside the government who note that a herd immunity strategy could lead to hundreds of thousands, if not millions, of lost American lives. Atlas, who does not have a background in infectious disease or epidemiology, has expanded his influence inside the White House by advocating policies that appeal to Trump's desire to move past the pandemic and get the economy going. This distresses health officials on the White House Coronavirus Task Force and throughout the administration. Atlas declined requests from the Post for an interview. After the publication of this report, he released a statement through the White House that said, quote, There is no policy of the president or this administration of achieving herd immunity. There never has been any such policy recommended to the president or to anyone else from me. White House Communications Director Alyssa Farah said there is no change in the White House's approach toward combating the pandemic. White House officials said Trump has asked questions about herd immunity, but has not formally embraced the strategy. The president, however, has made public comments that advocate a similar approach. Number two. Ten months ago, Laura Munoz applied to become an American citizen so she could cast her first vote this fall in the country she calls home. For Munoz, who moved to Miami from Colombia at age 12, the opportunity to vote felt like an auspicious way to mark a new decade. But the 26-year-old hasn't heard back about the next step in her naturalization process, even though she's in the final stages. With the early October voter registration deadline in Florida quickly approaching, she's no longer confident about her prospect of voting for the first time this year. My colleague Michelle Yehi Lee reports that a backlog in naturalization applications at U.S. Citizen and Immigration Services is threatening to prevent an unknown number of immigrants like Munoz from casting their first ballots this year. 
The details have worsened amid budget shortfalls and policy changes from the Trump administration, as well as the coronavirus pandemic, which temporarily shuttered USCIS offices this year. The agency has not disclosed the exact number of backlogged cases, but it says hundreds of thousands of citizenship applications are pending. And many of them are caught in a bureaucratic limbo with the presidential election less than three months away. A spokesman for the agency said in a statement that the agency is on pace to naturalize 600,000 new citizens by the end of the current fiscal year, which runs through September. He said that figure is lower than in recent years because of the pandemic. His agency has acknowledged that underfunding and new regulations have contributed to delays. Naturalization applications surged after President Trump's election in 2016, but some applicants are now waiting two or more years for a process the agency aims to complete within five months. USCIS records show the average time for processing citizenship applications in fiscal year 2020 was nearly nine months. For many immigrants who decide to pursue citizenship, naturalization is the culmination of a years-long process and often a deeply personal journey. And for some, stuck in the backlog, they're disappointed to watch their vote likely slip away. Number three, Jacob Blake's family planned a Sunday barbecue on the block where the 29-year-old was shot in the back seven times by a police officer. They had plans for licensed therapists to provide services to community members. But when the White House announced that President Trump would come to Blakestown, Kenosha, Wisconsin, today, Tuesday, Blake's family moved their event to coincide with Trump's visit. Blake's uncle, Justin Blake, said of the president through tears, quote, he has a way of taking the focus off things that should be focused on. So we moved it. Our president hasn't been a unifier. He's been more of an instigator and stirred up a lot of stuff going on. Post reporters Robert Klemko, Mark Berman, and Tim Craig report that Trump will bring his campaign message of law and order to Kenosha on Tuesday, meeting with members of law enforcement and touring businesses damaged during riots. But when Trump arrives in this pivotal battleground state, he will likely find a chilly reception from state and local leaders, including Kenosha's mayor, who reiterated on Monday that they wish he would have just stayed away. In an interview with Fox News host Laura Ingram on Monday night, Trump said he plans to travel to Wisconsin on Tuesday against the wishes of local officials because he is, quote, a tremendous fan of law enforcement. Trump's visit comes as Kenosha is still grappling with the aftermath of a damaging unrest that erupted after a city police officer shot Blake, a black man, in the back on August 23rd. Officials have still only released few details of the shooting, which is being investigated by the Wisconsin Department of Justice. But the shooting led to days of vandalism and violence culminating in last Last Tuesday's fatal shooting amid the unrest. Two people were killed and a third seriously injured. Officials have charged 17-year-old Kyle Rittenhouse with six counts, including two homicide charges. Rittenhouse's attorneys have argued he acted in self-defense. Trump declined to condemn Rittenhouse's actions. It was not immediately clear whether Trump's visits will spark fresh protests in Kenosha. Several local activists said no large protests were planned because they did not want to draw more attention to Trump's visit. In recent days, as protests against Blake's shooting spread across the nation, Trump has repeatedly referred to demonstrators as rioters, anarchists, agitators, and looters, while attempting to blame Democratic mayors and governors and Democratic presidential nominee Joe Biden for the unrest. In a speech Monday in Pittsburgh, Biden fired back at Trump, accusing him of being a threat to the safety of all Americans by stoking racial divisions in a bid to boost his own reelection campaign. In his speech, Biden mentioned that he himself spoke to Blake's family last week. The White House said Trump is not scheduled to meet with Blake's family. At a news conference Monday, Trump said the administration spoke with Blake's family's pastor, but lawyers got involved. Blake's father told CNN that the family does not have a pastor. 
And that's The Daily 202 for Tuesday, September 1st. Stay safe and thanks so much for listening. The Daily 202 podcast is brought to you by Facebook. At Facebook, we continue to take steps to better secure our platforms. What's next? We support updated internet regulations to set new standards for data portability, privacy, and elections. Learn more at about.fb.com slash regulation.